0: Good morning to each and every one. Like us to begin this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 4 looking at verses 7 and 8. Paul here writing says reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Now, the interesting thing about exercise, the reason that a lot of people make plans to get into shape, start exercising, and then stop, is because it's not a lot of fun to exercise, is it? It's not fun to be sore after a workout, to exhaust yourself, to be sweaty and gross and all those kinds of things that go along with exercising.
1: But if we want to be better at anything, exercise is necessary. We hear it said quite frequently that as Christians, we
0: need to practice what we preach. In other words, we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to stand up here on Sundays and talk about love and talk about humility and selflessness and all these kinds of things and then turn around and go through our lives from day to day. Doing anything but those things. We're going to exercise ourselves this morning. It might not necessarily be
1: fun. It might sting a little. But I think that if we're all honest
0: and humble, that we will come out in the end being better. What if we were to preach what
1: we practice? It's kind of an interesting spin, isn't it? If you thought
0: about your typical behavior from day to day, and decided that you were going to preach to people in regards to how to mirror your behavior, your actions, what would that sermon look like? Would it be a sermon from the Bible, or would it be something else? I think that if we're honest, sometimes our actions, our actual follow-through from the things that we study together, the things that we
1: know to be correct, fall short of what it needs to be. If we were to preach this morning what we practice, what would that look like? Well, we're going to find
0: out. If we were to preach what we practice, we would say, always assume the worst in others. We like to talk about how we always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We always want to assume that whatever somebody did, they did it with the best of intentions, but... If we're honest, a lot of the time we tend to go the other way, don't we? Somebody says something and we hear about it or we see it on Facebook or something of that nature and we tend to jump right to the worst possible conclusion. Well, what did they mean by that? I'm sure it was this, that, or the other thing, all of those items being not good. We tend to assume the worst in other people,
1: sadly, but we need to work on that. In First Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to notice just a
0: sampling of what Paul writes here concerning the topic of love, what is love, and of course he has a lot to say about that in defining it, describing it. But well, I want us to notice just some specific things that he mentions here in verses 4, 5, and 7. He says, love, notice, is not provoked. When we think the worst in people, we're easily provoked, aren't we? Because, well, I'm sure you said that that way just to irritate me or offend me or something of this nature. But love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. So and so wasn't at services last night. Did you see that? I'm sure it was because they're terrible and just don't love God at all. No, that's not what love does. Love does not think evil of others automatically. Love says, I wonder what's wrong. Love says, I wonder if they need my help. I wonder if there's some problem they're facing, something that's come up that prevented them from
1: being with us. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. We hope for the best in others.
0: Now at times, of course, we might be disappointed when faced with reality, but up until that time, love hopes all things. In John 7 verse 24, Jesus teaching us here says, do not judge according to appearance. Sometimes things might appear not the best, but that's not always indicative of what's really going on. Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment. Take the time to investigate things before drawing conclusions. You've probably heard it said that there's always two sides to every story. Sometimes you're just hearing one side, and it's real easy to draw a negative conclusion as a result. We have to weigh all the evidence. Romans 12 and verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We're not going to live
1: peaceably with others if we're always assuming the worst. In everything that they say and do. If we're going to practice. Or rather preach. What we practice. We would say don't pray. God already knows. And plus. You've got this.
0: Some problem. Pops up in your day. That you weren't expecting. Sometimes it's more severe than lunch got delayed because of a meeting that ran long or something that does tend to upset us, but really isn't ultimately that big of a deal. Sometimes big things happen unexpectedly. What is our first impulse? Is it to, I need to pray about this? Or is it, well, let's worry and fret and let's call this person and that person and let's talk about it and continue to just think that we can handle it ourselves as fallible human beings. We think, well, God already knows I need help anyway, so why do I need to take time to actually tell him I need help? I
1: mean, isn't he all-powerful, all-knowing? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse seventeen: three three little words. says, pray without ceasing. How many of us actually do that?
0: I'd like to raise my hand, but this other hand knows the truth. No, put your hand
1: down. I don't pray as much as I should. So you see, this
0: lesson is not about me standing up here as super Christian and just looking down at all of you and saying... Man, you should be more like me, guys. I mean, let's get it in gear. Come on. It's not that hard. This is all of us
1: looking inward and saying, what can we do better? How often do we sit around and worry about things?
0: I can put my hand up to that one. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.
1: We forget about that verse. When we're in the midst of things.
0: Matthew 26 and verse 41, Jesus basically says, you don't got this. You think you do, but you don't. So why not go to the one who does have it under control and can get things under control for you? Jesus, as he spoke to his disciples, he kept falling asleep there after he told them to watch. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation.
1: The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a lot weaker than we think it is. We're honest. If we're going to preach what we practice,
0: we would say, Try and focus your thoughts on what's going wrong.
1: Who's guilty of doing that? Let's look about
0: my day. Let's see, how are things going? What's the first list that we're going to create? Guarantee it's probably well, this is broken, and I got to fix that, and this isn't going my way. And we just sit there and we think about all these terrible things and all these things that aren't going uh, perfectly, as though we should expect that life on the earth, which is not heaven, is just going to be heaven anyway, because we want it to be. So let's just sit around and focus our minds on all this
1: negativity, because that's going to be productive, and that's going to help fix all of it. We jump right back to where we were a moment ago,
0: where we're told not to worry, but to in everything go to God in prayer. He follows up in the next verse, verse 8, and says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard in me, do these things and God, the God of peace, will be with you. You know, when I read this verse, it reminds me of a song that as a child I heard many, many times because my sister and I used to watch The Sound of Music almost religiously, it seemed, to the point that the VHS tapes wore out and wouldn't play anymore. There's a song in there where she's singing about raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens and bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens and brown paper packages tied up with strings. She says, these are a few of my favorite things. We need to really work at Not letting life's negative things drag us down into the pit of despair. Because there's always going to be something wrong. Even on your best day, there's going to be
1: something that you can find that's wrong. What are you going to choose to focus on? In Psalm 10 and verse 4.
0: It says, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. How often is God in your thoughts? In Psalm 103, verse 2. Here the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Think about all that God does for you, all that we have to be thankful for, yet we're going to focus on the fact that the TV is broken because our child, threw the remote control and anger at the
1: screen and Now I can't watch the show that I wanted to watch. Life is just the worst. We're going to preach what
0: we practice. We would say, when it comes to attendance at services, just meet the minimum requirement. And the Bible just talks about Sundays, the saints assembled, they partook of the Lord's Supper. They had a lesson preached. They prayed together, they gave a portion of their physical blessings to the Lord so that it could be used for the saints in need and for the spreading of the gospel. They sang. But you know, it just talks about that happening really only once. So you know all these other services that are put together by the eldership in your local Congregation, you don't need to worry
1: about that so much. It's not really that important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. The Hebrew writer says,
0: Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking The assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries.
1: My in-laws are up in Canada at the moment. And when they were planning out
0: their trip, they discovered that the places that they were going to be visiting, that there weren't any local congregations that they could attend services with. And so they could have very easily just said, well, I guess we'll just skip services while we're on our vacation. You know what my father-in-law did? He expanded his search, and he found that two hours and 12 minutes, I believe, north of where we're going to be, there is a faithful congregation. Do you know what they did this morning? They woke up early and they drove two hours north so that they could be with the Lord's people. And he would probably be unhappy with me sharing that with you because he's not one to brag on himself. But how much weight do we really
1: give with regards to being with our family? Do we give more weight to a soccer game? Do we give more weight to the Super Bowl?
0: Do we give more weight to a family gathering? And when I say that, I mean our physical blood family. What's most important? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do we look forward to it? Are we excited when there's going to be a gospel meeting? Hey, more opportunities to be with my loved ones. To be lifted up in my faith and to lift others up with my very presence. Another chance to praise God for all of his benefits towards me
1: and not forget them. Like we talked about a moment ago. Preaching what we practice. We would say.
0: Don't worry too much about other people's problems. Because after all you've got a lot going on. I'm not one to brag on myself either. But I'm going to for just a moment. If there's anybody in this building who would have an excuse as to say, I've got a lot going on, I'm going to raise my
1: hand. I work two full-time jobs. I have five children.
0: I have a ready excuse just about any moment of the day as to something that's going on that I could say, sorry, I can't be there. Sorry, I know you're hurting,
1: but I've got my own problems to deal with. You know, the Bible tells us to deny ourselves and think about the problems of other people. To feel their pain when they're hurting. And to care as much or more
0: about them than we do our own selves. To say, yeah, you know what? I'm scheduled to work today, but my brother needs me right now because he's lost something great, so I'm going to figure that out. So that I can go and and be with him.
1: How many of us actually do that? If we're honest with ourselves. When there's an opportunity to serve someone. Do we
0: rejoice that we have the ability to help? Or do we focus on, wow, how... Inconvenient is this for me, that I have to take time out of what
1: I was doing to now help this person? Galatians 6 and verse 2. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? Read this verse with me. Bear one another's burdens. Ask yourself, when is the last time I bore my brother's burden or my sister's burden?
0: If you're having a hard time remembering, then ask yourself, am I really fulfilling the law of Christ in my life? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you which was also... In Christ Jesus, our very Savior, our Lord, our King, came to this earth and humbled himself and washed the feet of his disciples
1: to show us what's up. To show us how it ought to be. If Jesus can humble himself under the feet of his creation...
0: Then certainly we can humble ourselves at the feet of each other. First Corinthians twelve and verse twenty-six if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And likewise, if one member
1: is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, we make the joke about
0: sermons like this, we're stepping on our toes. What happens when you step on your physical toe or you jam that into a piece of furniture in the middle of the night? I've made this illustration before, but what does the rest of your body physically do when that happens? You stub that toe and the rest of your body goes right down and everything is focused on
1: what is wrong until it's mended, until it's made better. What do we do when this body here has someone who is hurting? Do the rest of us members zero in?
0: Or is it half and half? Is it one-fourth? Is it three-fourths?
1: Preaching what we practice. First a day,
0: that's plenty. You just have your little daily calendar there on your desk. It just has a verse every day. That's what the scriptures are talking about in regards to studying, I'm sure. So, as long as we're digesting that, that's going to be enough to sustain us and help us be growing as followers of Christ. Well, I liked that spiritual post on Facebook. In fact, I liked, I think I liked seven of them today. In fact, I even shared one. I think I got this in the bag. I think I'm doing pretty good here. Let's be real. A verse a day is not going to cut it. Reading a verse a day is not studying the scriptures. It's not going to make you
1: grow. It's not going to help you mature. It's not bad. But it's not sufficient.
0: Notice what the Israelites were instructed to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them while you're sitting in your house. When we're sitting in our homes, how often do we really talk about spiritual things? Again, there's this hand wanting to, no, don't deceive yourself. You're terrible. I'm talking to myself. He's the preacher. He's supposed to always be talking about spiritual things. Guess what? I have a lot of
1: room for improvement. When you walk by the way. When you lie down. When you rise up. You shall bind
0: them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house. And on your gates surround yourself, immerse yourself in the Word of God because that's the only way that we're going to adequately feed our soul and our spirit. This body is not going to last forever. Your soul and your spirit is. Are you preparing it for eternity? Or are we just playing church? Are we just playing Christian because people think good of us when we do? In Psalm 1, notice the psalmist's attitude, verse 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And the result is, he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf." also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. you think about a tree that's planted by a river, how much water is there supplying that tree? A lot. Big difference between that and a tree planted out here in the middle of a desert. Maybe there's a drop here and there. That tree's not going to flourish like the one over here, is it? 1 Timothy 4, verse 13, Paul said to Timothy, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation,
1: to doctrine. Give attention to it. What about this one? Always tell someone if you do a good deed. In fact, the more the merrier. Who does that? See, now the hand's
0: the hands going up and now this hand's pulling it down because, shh,
1: don't admit
0: that. That's the first thing we want to do, isn't it? We do something nice for somebody and we think, Facebook post time. Oh, Maybe even I'll take a picture of this nice cake that I baked for my brother because I love him so much and look what I've done, everyone in the world. Please give me likes, loves, comments. Tell me how great I am. Come on, I can take it. It's like our first impulse is, I should tell somebody
1: of my greatness. And it's just the opposite of what we're told to do.
0: Matthew 6, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Sometimes people will see. Sometimes people will notice. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, don't let your intention be just so that people will look at you and say, look how wonderful he is. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say, they have their reward." When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. It's like the right hand's over here doing something that it should be doing, and then the left hand's like,
1: hey, look what it's doing! Did, did you see Do good because it's right. Do good because it pleases your father. And let that be your
0: reward. Knowing that you've done the right thing. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, Let another man praise you and not your own mouth.
1: A stranger and not your own lips. Pretty plain and simple, isn't it? Finally this morning... If we're going to preach what we practice, we would say, relax, you've got plenty of time. You don't need to worry about sending that card. You don't need to worry about making
0: that phone call. You don't need to worry about reading your Bible or saying that prayer or whatever it is because you can get to that tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe next month
1: Because you've got plenty of time. Oh, how daily we deceive ourselves. Proverbs 27 and verse 1.
0: We're told, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what
1: a day may bring forth. Might be your last day. Psalm 103, once again, verse 13, we read, As a father pities his children, so the Lord
0: pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. But
1: Then the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. We are fragile creatures. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2.
0: Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and he says that God has said in an acceptable time, I've heard you and in the day of salvation. I've helped you. Paul says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you know something right and good that you need to do to make sure your soul is right with
1: God, do it today. Don't do it tomorrow that might not come. Just
0: because up until now there's always been tomorrow doesn't mean that there's going to be another one. What about this morning?
1: Who here has something they need to make correction of. When are you going to take care of that? There's more that could be said. There's more examples we could find. But I hope that as we've
0: attempted to be painfully honest with ourselves this morning that maybe it will produce a better day tomorrow. And when I say a better day, I mean a, a day that is spent serving God better than what we've been doing. And hopefully the days to follow that, however long we have left. Romans 12 and verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, and cling to what is good. Will you determine to do that in your life? Perhaps this morning you need to make that determination. Maybe you've never been baptized and you recognize that you need to. We have the water ready. We will take your confession. We will baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. If you've
1: wandered astray and you need to come back home, come back home. you're struggling with something, don't do it alone. That's why you have a body. That's why you have a family here. We can't bear your burdens if we don't know what your burdens are.
0: So let's be real with each other. There's no shame in admitting, hey, you know what? I have problems. Guess what? Everybody has problems. We're just all so arrogant and full of ourselves as to think that if we dare admit that, that we're somehow the worst human being on the face of the planet. It's not true. It makes you real. It makes you human. So be real this morning. As we stand and sing this song of invitation, if you need something, let us know. Come to the front while we stand and sing.